I don't believe in God. I know God. I love me some Jesus. You're doing too much. That's crazy. <laughs> That's on the next episode. It's the moon reading. I rock with you, Yaya. It's all love. They better listen to this advice. We good. You crazy, girl. This is what this show is about, all right? We With keep the it real. real and real talk. The God in God talk. And that's a wrap. Today is Tuesday, March 5th, and you're listening to Real Talk on God Talk, a podcast for people who skip church for brunch on Sundays. Woo! Episode 9. What, what? <laughs> hey, y'all. Hey, Truth. Hey, Yaya. It is March already. Time is flying. Too fast. I could swear that just a little bit ago, I was like, oh, we still in February. Got mad time. And then boom, March was here. <laughs> Kicking down the door like, hey, girl. <laughs> right, right. How you doing? Um, How am I doing? Hmm. I am chilling. I'm really chilling. I'm taking it slow. Uh, I've been feeling kind of creative lately. Oh. Right? Um, I So I write poetry and I do other types of writing, yeah. but mostly it's for myself. Nice. But I've been taking the leap and sharing my writing on the internet. Yay! I know, right? That, and that is a huge leap. It It is for me. Yeah. I'm a very private person, mm-hmm. but... Um, it's for me. Like, it feels good. My likes are paltry. I get four or five <laughs> likes on them. But it's like, it's like an offering. So it, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. It just feels good to put it out there. That's so awesome. Yeah. Y'all better go and like Yaya's poetry. What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> Plugging myself so hard. <laughs> like my stuff, please, guys. Nah. But it's, No, that's it's awesome when you can share something that's that intimate and that private. It takes, it does take, like, courage to step out there and put out this. So you go, girl. Oh, thank you. So, uh, what's going on with you? So, <laughs> I, unlike you, <laughs> um, it's still, it's still chilling, of course, like I'm always doing, but actually something that's been on my heart, and I'm sure, like, some of us have heard it about the United Methodist uh, decision, um, where basically they had a conference in St. Louis. This is the church denomination, right? Yeah, the United Methodist Church, where in the end they decided... Um, to basically strengthen its ban against like gay and lesbian uh, clergy and same-sex marriages. It impacts 12 million members, mm-hmm. which is such a strong, like just so many people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was heartbreaking to see like the LGBT clergy who showed up there to like engage with people and to basically say like, you know, we are here. We've been right. running these churches this whole time, you know, and it hasn't been an issue. So for the UMC to take that stance was very harsh. And I, it's unfortunate to say, but I wasn't surprised that they took that stance because mm-hmm. I'm like so over the church trying to be like, you know, taking the side of the LGBT community when it doesn't. Uh, for the most part, the church has like silenced us, tried to convert us, hushed us, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. done everything except like really open its arms to us and that's again my experience you know I know not everybody's experience is like that but the most heartbreaking to me was that I don't know how much longer we have to do this fight Mm. like the one thing I remember my mom always told me when I first came out was like you do not stay anywhere where you are not wanted. I hear that, mommy. You know? Mm-hmm. And I've taken that with me. And mind you, she told me this at like a tender age when I was like 15. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> straight out of the gate. And so I've taken that with me. And for me, that includes church. And so it was like, if they don't want us there, if they, they want us for nothing more than for worship and tides, 
but they don't want like our partners, our family, and all like everything else that we have to offer. I see no reason for us staying there. That is such a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you said, how many praise and worship leaders Hello. are clearly queer people and you want them for their creativity, you mm-hmm. want them for what they bring, their talent. You're not going to turn away nobody's money, so you want the That's tithes, for sure. but you're not there to stand and affirm my humanity right. and just, you know, what God and what Jesus preached was love and acceptance mm-hmm. and non-judgment right and even if not for all of those reasons practically it's a step backwards in my opinion right it's like at this point churches don't have enough membership for real and you know (laughs) churches are struggling to stay alive Mm -hmm. and to push away such a large segment of people it it doesn't even make business sense and so (laughs) you know exactly yeah yeah it's just really i think it's it's beyond ridiculous and for me and people could say that this is harsh but for me that decision it was basically drawing of blood onto the lgbt community of like no we are not affirming you and so it's like how much more can we take and i'm all for people who want to stay in the tradition and keep fighting but please think about if god really wants you there to for harm like, I'm sorry, that's just not the God that I serve. The God that I serve will not put me in a place where I have to fight and fight and fight for my own humanity every single day that I'm there. That It just does not make sense to me. And I feel like what the United Methodist Church did was basically just throw out the whole gospel. They just, like, completely ignored it. And they're definitely what they did was of business and of institute and of, you know, hierarchy, but definitely not of God. So that's my two my that's my two cents. <laughs> okay, we hear you. Yeah. And uh, listeners, if we have any United Methodist Church members who listen, you know, hit us up on um, on our Instagram, on our Twitter. Let yep. us know what you think about the decision, how it's affected you, if it affects you, if you agree with the decision, mm-hmm. even. Uh, let us know. Let's get into a rundown of this week's episode. At this point, we've all heard of cultural appropriation, right? So on our IGTV channel, our guest, Kati Lau, answered the question, what Moana has to teach us about God? And it was pretty popular. It got a bunch of views and comments. Thank you, listeners. So for God in the World, we want to take a deeper look into Polynesian spirituality and some of the ways it's been used and misused in popular culture in cases of spiritual appropriation. Are you curious about what that is? Well, stay tuned to find out. Next, we're going to move right along to our Real Talk question of the week. How am I supposed to know what I want to be when I grow up? As children, when it comes to getting ready for professional life, we're often taught to go to college, get a job, retire, then die. (laughs) But for many of us, that just isn't enough. We're in search of true fulfillment, purpose in our careers. In this segment, Truth and I will be imagining what it looks like to pursue not just a job, not just a career, but your purpose and calling professionally. We'll take a look at the Japanese concept of ikigai, a way of living that helps to find a reason to jump out of bed in the morning. Then, Yaya takes us through the moon reading and the opportunities March 6th new moon has in store for us. And finally, for community pastoral care, we're gonna help you tackle one of the hardest parts of career readiness networking (laughs) we're gonna start a networking chain listen to find out how to join for our igtv series straight no chaser 
Last week's guest, Katalao, shared some of the spiritual lessons found in Disney's 2016 animated film Moana. For those of you who haven't seen it yet, Moana tells the story of a strong-willed daughter of a Polynesian chief who's chosen by the ocean itself to set sail in search of Maui, voiced by The Rock, a legendary demigod to save her people. Kids love Moana. (laughs) But as we can tell by your comments, adults do too. I ain't gonna lie, I like Moana too. (laughs) Um, It tells the story of family, trusting oneself, and of our connection with Mother Earth, right? It used elements of Polynesian culture to tell a very beautiful story. But as is the case with most Hollywood and especially Disney depictions of cultural and spiritual practices, what we saw in Moana only told us part of the story. So for God in the world, we wanted to dig a little deeper. So we've all heard of cultural appropriation, right? So a quick working definition. Cultural appropriation is a form of colonialism, where cultural elements are copied from a minority culture by members of the dominant culture. For reference, think of the appropriation of Native American headdresses by non-Native people at music festivals. Or the appropriation of black cultural aesthetics like do-rags and baby hairs by white models in the fashion industry. For our purpose, we wanted to expand the conversation on appropriation to talk about spiritual appropriation. And that's the choosing of bits and pieces of spiritual traditions for uses outside of its original context and the ways that this form of appropriation affects the Polynesian community. The problem with spiritual appropriation is that sometimes aspects of spirituality are freely shared, but in other cases they are co-opted in ways that border on disrespect. So we've all seen the Native American dream catchers that have been used to sell any number of inappropriate items in your local gas station or highway rest stop. Dreamcatchers are sold by non-Indigenous people, designed with anything from the Simpsons characters to the Confederate flag. In the case of Moana, our Real Talk listener, who goes by the IG handle, B. Takadana, inspired us to think about the ways that, although the film touches on Polynesian spiritual practices, it really only grazes the surface and actually glosses over distinctions between peoples, cultures, and traditions. Fact. For all those of you who need it, here's a crash course on Polynesia, okay? So, according to good old Wikipedia, (laughs) (laughs) Polynesia is made up of more than a thousand islands scattered over the central and southern Pacific Ocean. Historically, uh, they have a strong tradition of sailing and using stars to navigate at night. The largest country in Polynesia is New Zealand, but they also have other countries as well. So make sure you look that up. Uh, With such a rich culture and spiritual heritage, it's a shame that often the only time Polynesian culture is referenced in popular culture is in very flat and cheesy ways like Hawaiian luau parties or themed tiki bars or viral videos of Maori haka dances done by white football players. Mm, Right. So for those of you who are like, haka, what's that? Trust me. You have seen the haka. Mm-hmm. It's been widely popularized in the U.S. by the New Zealand rugby team, the All Blacks. All Blacks. You know I like that. <laughs> so the All Blacks do them in preparation for competition. There are countless YouTube videos of wedding parties doing haka. And most recently at the premiere of the Aquaman movie, uh, Hollywood star Jason Mamoa did a haka. 
Generally, you see rows of men dancing, beating their chests, sticking out their tongues. It is a beautiful and powerful show of solidarity and spirit. But something about how sacred the dances get lost in translation when it's picked up by mainstream culture. Facts. And also, besides the New Zealand All Blacks, shout out to my, the, the Tonga team. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I gotta catch some YouTube videos because I got you, know, you girl. Okay, I got you. Thanks, you. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna go to a rugby game and you're gonna see it's so oh, we much. Going to fun. A rugby game? Yes, we're gonna go. Okay, we we're see getting one. distracted. We're getting, okay. All right. All right, boom. All right. But evidence case number one, okay? In the 2019 Oscars red carpet interview where a white model, Ashley Graham, interviews Jason Mamon and demands that he teach her a haka move, it was super cringe worthy and hella awkward for her to even ask that of him right right like dance for me right like, exactly like, like, come and show me you. your culture like right. what who does that um well i'll tell you who was not having it his wife okay <laughs> lisa bonet was not for it okay and she was not having it with the appropriation and she just swoops in and signals that she needs to cut the bowl and move right on along i hear that you know and we're gonna post a super embarrassing moment on our instagram page for you to check it out yourselves so yeah, interestingly enough, haka has been misidentified as being strictly war dances. Mm -hmm. For the most part, when we see them, we see like these super masculine looking guys getting hyped for some type of sporting event. But most people don't realize that that's just one type of haka. In actuality, haka are a fierce display of the tribe's pride, strength, unity, and spirit. They're used in both preparations for battle and in times of peace. The haka is a Maori ritual, but what it represents can be found in all Polynesian cultures. It's both a dance and song. It's performed for all occasions to celebrate the emotions of a significant life event. In fact, there's a deep emotional and spiritual significance to the haka, which is why every Tom, Dick, and Harry who wants to feel masculine does not have the right to assume their cultural motifs and attitudes. Okr. Oh, I heard you there. <laughs> and similarly, when it comes to tiki bars and Hawaiian luau's, we tend to treat Hawaiian traditions rooted in sacred spirituality as if it's just something cheap for us to use when we want a theme for a party or some funky home decor. Although we often see them as decorative elements at parties, Hawaiian tiki statues actually represent the many tiki gods in Hawaiian and Polynesian mythology. Knowing this now, Imagine going to a crucifixion-themed bar or party where people will dress up as priests and drink out of Virgin Mary-shaped mugs. That would be weird and somewhat disrespectful, right? Right. So, these are just two examples of spiritually charged cultural appropriation within Polynesian culture. Yes, cultural appropriation has been a hot topic for the past few years, and yes, it is generally seen as taboo. But when we take part in the cheapening of people's spiritual traditions, it's more than just a social misstep. It's incredibly hurtful and violent to people who have already been targeted by colonialism. It threatens to whitewash and erase one of the resources of strength people have in seeing themselves. So, what's the verdict on spiritual appropriation in Polynesian culture, Yaya? The verdict is, don't do it. That's all we got for God in the world this week. Check out our resources for more information on spirituality in Polynesian culture, as well as an article bringing light to the fact that as of this year, at least five Pacific islands have been swallowed by the ocean as a direct effect of climate change and rising sea levels. 
let's increase awareness of the ways we can help lessen the effects of climate change on the Pacific Islands and this region of the world. So be sure to check out our website, realtalkongodtalk.com. Woo, Chile! It is March! <laughs> Which means only two months until May. And you know what that means? Dun, 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 dun. Graduation time! <laughs> right. With commencement season quickly approaching, everybody and their mama is asking me what I'm doing with my life. Mm. You don't even know me. And honestly, your girl has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, no clue. I pray and I meditate on it. I've been following all the do's of job searching. I network. Mm -hmm. I put myself out there. Yeah. But I legit can't think of one thing I actually want to do. And if I don't find something quick, your girl's about to hit the pole. Because <laughs> <laughs> the pole's always hiring. <laughs> right. JK. Not, not this time. <laughs> but so true, right? Um, my internship site is like, we are strictly saying an internship site. So I was like, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> when God closes one door. <laughs> facts. Facts on facts. But, you know, I've been doing everything that they tell you to do, right? Fix your resume, get on LinkedIn, network, do this and third, get a couple of together. You know, you oh. got to dedicate this much time for job searching every day. I've been doing all that. I'm tired. Okay, I'm tired. I still got no job. Like, uh. <laughs> like that I can line up for like in what I'm doing. So it's hard out here. That it is hard out here. Fact. The thing is, it used to be that you would go to school, mm -hmm. get a job, get that bag, get right. your benefits. Right. 50 years later, retire and be happy. But nowadays, that is not enough. Mm -mm. There is the need to be a do-gooder and help the world, which might be the millennial in me talking. <laughs> and then there's the added pressure of having your career align with, like, your soul calling, <laughs> you know? It's that millennial voice again. Right. And looking good while doing it on the gram. The millennial voice some more, right? <laughs> But the thing is, how the hell am I supposed to know what my life purpose is? I walk into the kitchen sometimes and I'm like, why am I standing here? <laughs> <laughs> Forgot why you even went in there. Right. And so I'm like, I don't know. I feel you. That And you're so right. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what you're talking about is the question I think every graduate, college grad, you know. High school graduate grad. grad. Every grad has this question of like. What is my purpose? What kind of vocation do I want? And like you said, what do I want to be when I grow up? And a lot of time when we hear vocation, we think of like a skilled labor that doesn't require college. But the actual definition of vocation is derived from the Latin word vocare, which means to call. Hmm. So vocation is your calling from, from God to express your true self or fulfill a specific purpose that you feel a strong desire for. I like that. Okay, okay. And if you're of a certain age, let's say mid-20s, ranging to mid-40s, that's a big certain age. <laughs> but, you know, people are out here just trying to get work that's and it. figure out what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. It seems like everywhere you go, there's messages to find your calling, which is easier said than done. Absolutely. You know, when you're straddled with student loan debt, oh. when you got mad bills to pay, it's hard to, like, just try different things mm -hmm. when more likely than not, you don't have anyone to back you up or bail you out if you fail, you know? Absolutely. And so, like, for this week's episode of Real Talk, Yaya and I will be discussing the steps we're taking to find our vocation and strategies for using spiritual discernment in guiding 
your your professional life. And so we're asking the real talk question of the week. How am I supposed to know what I want to be when I grow up? Okay, y'all. Y'all know how I do. Story time. (laughs) Best time. (laughs) So in a moment of true vulnerability, I have to say I am so lost right now in terms of my professional life. I'm not even being funny. Like, I'm being so serious. I heard you. Um, I know I'm intelligent. I'm capable. Like, you know, people like me. I like myself. Mm-hmm. However, this whole job searching thing has got me stumped. Some people just got the juice when it comes to knowing how to navigate this career stuff. But that's just not me. I hate resumes, <laughs> job boards, business suits, professional Facts. networking, all that. And, you know, right out of college, I had no clue what I wanted either. Mm, <laughs> and I took the safe route. Yeah. So I, uh, I went to graduate school. I got a professional degree, mm-hmm. graduated, got a job, desk job, quote unquote, good job. Right, right. Um, you know, benefits, pension, whole, mm-hmm. all of that. And I hated it. Aww. I was scratching my eyeballs out at work every day. That's the worst feeling literally living for the weekend oh that's hard that's hard to do and so many people do do it like yeah because of like security just because like you know you have that check coming in every week you're gonna have something for retirement Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it makes you happy right like what kind of way is that to live exactly and so i did the you can call it the adventurous thing. You can call it the irresponsible thing. I don't whatever you, you want to call. I did the damn thing, <laughs> right? I did the thing and I quit my job mm-hmm. and I went back to school. Mm-hmm. Went to seminary. You I followed, brave, <laughs> right? I followed my heart. I followed God. Mm-hmm. I, I followed what I felt God was yeah. calling me to do. And now I'm here pursuing my degree in psychology and religion, and I love it. Mm. I love it. That's awesome. When I'm in classes, I'm engaged. I feel alive. I'm into it. I write papers. Seriously, nobody takes notes like Yaya. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. Her no game is on point. I have never met someone in seminary taking notes like Yaya. Like, no lie. <laughs> I'm just, I'm truly into it. But the thing is, you know, graduation's approaching. Yep. And there's still no clear path to a job. Oof. You know? And, you know what the thing is when you're not, let's say in our case, on an ordination track, whatever options were there is even smaller. Right, slowly diminishes, <laughs> right. Because exactly. it's like if you're not aligned with a particular church, yep. then you're not getting a job. Similar to all you liberal arts majors out there. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> your African-American studies, your psychology, your sociology, you know, your English. Yeah. It, it's like you do your passion, you do what makes you, quote unquote, alive, yeah. but it's still what's what's next. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was expressing some of my concerns to one of uh, the people in my life that I really respect. Mm-hmm. Let's call him a mentor. I'm like, you know, I don't I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. And so he said, OK, I can't tell you what to do, mm-hmm. but I can uh, introduce you to this concept. And it's this idea for finding out. What are you going to do with your life? You know, what's going to make you happy? And it's the Japanese concept of ikigai, right? I have such, like, it's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. It took me forever. Ikigai, right? So it's the Japanese concept of ikigai, which originated in Okinawa, Japan. It means reason for being, Mm. Right. So Ikigai is reason for being or that which makes you excited to jump out of bed in the morning. 
Yes, I like that already. <laughs> and so Yaya was telling me about it. And to figure out your ikigai, you draw four circles in a Venn diagram. Y'all remember those from elementary school, right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> if not, you Google con. it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so ikigai is seen as the intersection of four primary elements. One circle is what you love. That's your passion. The second is what the world needs. That's your mission. The third is what you are good at. That's your vocation. And the fourth is what you can get paid for. That's your profession. You know that fourth circle is my favorite. (laughs) What you get paid for. I got money on the mind. But right. Okay. So it's where these circles meet. What you love. What the world needs. Mm -hmm. What you're good at. And what you can get paid for. So it's at the intersection of these circles that you can find the key to your professional calling. So Truth and I figured that we could use the concept of ikigai as a framework for this episode to explore how we would go about figuring out the answers to these not-so-easy questions. So let's start. (laughs) So we're going to start with the first circle, right? So how about finding what you love? So legit, what do I love? I love being creative. There is nothing more that I love than being creative. I don't like fitting into a box. I like being able to um, use like my mind and like use my hands to like create things. And so anything that is for like creativity, I am there. That is what I absolutely love along with um, music, right? That's my first love. My first love is music. Um, And so if I can like mesh these things together and make a living and get paid, (laughs) I'm good. Okay. (laughs) So that's, that's for me. That's what I love. What do you love? Okay. So it takes a lot to pay attention to yourself mm-hmm. to like figure out, okay, no, like really, what do I love? Like not yeah. like what what am I just liking on Instagram when I'm passing by <laughs> it, but like Instagram needs to pay me because clearly I'd be on the gram. But anyway, <laughs> um, figuring out what I love. Uh, my mom told me, I don't know, she must have read this somewhere. Like you can kind of figure out who a child is or who a person is by mm. the time they're like in the second grade. And so wow. like if you want to figure out something about yourself, like how you would respond to a situation situation yeah. or like what you really think think back to your second grade or like kindergarten age self. Wow, okay and so in thinking about what I love I think back to well first of all when I was in elementary school you know I was like a good kid like I was pretty good Aww. a little nerdy girl but I would always get in trouble for talking too much <laughs> like if you it don't matter you sit me in the front of the classroom in the back of the classroom you was that kid under the table <laughs> you know it doesn't matter I'm talking I'll talk right. to my damn self oh my goodness. and so I think about the fact that I like really enjoy not just talking for the hell of it but yeah. like I ask a million and one questions I I really I like to connect with people. Yeah. And so I know that like a desk job sitting isolated isn't mm. going to be for me. Feel you. I know probably like actual labor with my hands. Yeah. Some people are good at it. Yeah. I need something where I'm connecting with people, talking. Okay. With people, you know, feel you. I like that. Think back to like your second grade self. And if like thinking back on that, I was doing exactly what I'm doing right now, which is, like, I legit had my own radio show. Did you really? (laughs) Legit, no lie. Like, when I was younger, and I had my own radio show, and I would play hip-hop music, and my biggest inspiration was, like, Angie Martinez. And so, like, I wanted to be just like Angie Martinez. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was, like, that's going to be me when I grow up. So it's kind of funny that you said that, and I'm like, well, 
I'm kind of living the dream right now because right. doing it, you know. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, listeners, if you think back to your second grade self and you were always, like, really good with your hands and had dexterity, you know, maybe that's something you could think of. If you were always, like, tinkering and taking apart the remote and mm, putting it back together. Right. You know, if you always wanted to take care of people, if you were just really nurturing and you just loved playing baby dolls oh. and, you know, pretend taking care. Well, if you was on them Legos building cities. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, take that's into account the things that you just, like, are in the flow of doing. What you lose time doing, naturally, you know? Oh, you. One of my goals is basically to, like, live a pleasure-filled life, right? <laughs> Feel you. <laughs> that sounded mad weird the way I said pleasure. <laughs> no, pleasure. Well, it no. depends where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're keeping with, the, not this episode. That, that was a couple of That was a couple ago. weeks ago. <laughs> right. No, but, like, I think quality of life is really important to me. Of course. Um, and in terms of doing what I love, I can never go back to a job that I legit dread attending you know absolutely yeah. like i don't want to wake up in the morning and be like oh my god i hate this and i think that often it's like we get caught up in the money aspect of things you know and it's like oh we think it's worth it to yeah. to do something that we hate just for the cash yeah but i will probably reference this again and again and again but i i read audrey lord's uses of the erotic quite often yeah as like a way like a way to think about how i'm living my life and like where i'm getting my energy from mm. to, to do what i do yeah and so i wanted to read you all an excerpt from it where she talks a little bit about work and what it means to do meaningful work and to to love your work and enjoy your work so in uses of the erotic audrey lord says it is never easy to demand the most from ourselves from our lives from our work to encourage excellence is to go beyond the encouraged mediocrity of our society but giving in to fear of feeling and working to capacity is a luxury only the unintentional can afford and the unintentional are those who do not wish to guide their own destinies. Within the celebration of the erotic in all of our endeavors, and by the erotic she means giving in to like deep feeling, pleasure, awareness of time and place, mm -hmm. my work becomes a conscious decision, a longed-for bed which I enter gratefully and from which I rise up empowered. That is Ooh, really important wow. to me. Like when it comes to work, a paycheck isn't enough. Like I right. really think it's important. Even if you don't love what you're doing 100% of the time, 70% of the time, 60% of the time, for the most part, when you imagine actually how you're spending your time, not how you're going to spend the money that yeah. you're going to make from it, mm. not the clout that you get from the job, right, right. but literally how you're spending your hours there. Yeah. Like that's loving what you do. Mm -hmm. And so that's something to consider when you're when you're looking for, you know, what am I doing with my career? Right. What do I love? Feel you. So let's go to the second circle. Okay. Which is what the world needs so this is your mission all right so like for this it's like take a look at the economy right what does the world need right now so we need more uh, engineers more skilled laborers uh, computer scientists 
definitely more ethical people right? <laughs> and people who are into like um, renewable energy. And it's basically holding a, a line between idealistic and pragmatic. So that's, that's where like what the world needs. And then it comes down to like, what do you need? For me, I need to not work in a like nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. What I need is to not work in a nine to five. But no, that, but that's you know, a, you like need freedom. I, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I like I like the freedom. So I like the freedom of not having someone who's always telling me what to do or someone breathing it down my neck. I don't. I like being able to work for myself. I need to work by myself. <laughs> like you, like yeah, one you know one partner's I mean? enough. For me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, like it's just it, it's a whole different dynamic when you're just like being your own boss. Let's say mm-hmm. it's just it's just something completely different. Something so freeing about that, and it works for some people and it doesn't work for others. But like for me, I, that's that is definitely something that I need. I need to be one creative and be able to be my own boss. So when I think about what the world needs, I think the world needs more big thinkers. Facts. Like, I think that often we keep seeing things like in the same mold, like again and again. And so it's like, yeah. OK, there's one way of doing things. Mm-hmm. So if you go the college route, then right. you go to college, you go to get your MBA, you go work for a corporation, you put in your time, you know, you make the big bucks, but there's so much room for innovation. Like, you know, like, you know, Truth and I were talking about the places where we have listeners. Yeah. We have listeners in Australia. Shouts to Australia, Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's The fact that, like, with the internet, with the power technology of the internet... Two women in New York City right. who have never, like, I've never been to Australia. Neither have okay. I. <laughs> so who have never been to Australia, who don't really know anyone in Australia, right. can have listeners over there. And we got listeners. Right, listeners. <laughs> it just speaks to the to the ability yeah. for innovation, new ideas, for, like, the internet allows us to just do so much that we couldn't do before. Yeah more big thinkers to kind of step into that and like break the mold more and more. Yeah. Um, and like, I know that that sounds very like spacey, like, okay, I need a job. You're telling me be a big thinker, <laughs> but like someone like AOC, um, yeah. Alexandra mm-hmm. uh, Ocasio-Cortez, right? She is a person who granted, you know, she has the education, like she has the educational capital yeah. to do what she's doing, but she gets into Congress and like one of my professors was like really singing her praises today and it's so true she steps fully into the role yeah like she yeah. doesn't like kind of like tiptoe around saying, nah. oh, i'm new to congress Mm-mm. oh i don't know i have to figure out nah, what my she ready place for the clap is. back yeah but no, not yeah she but came not. in and she said well y'all elected me i'm here to do the job yeah. and so i'm doing the job mm-hmm. and i think in being a big thinker and being yeah. a little bit less pragmatic and thinking a little bit less about what people say can't be done or what you haven't seen done before, even before you get to your dream job, when you're at the very early stages, you're at your entry-level joint, Yeah. by stepping fully into and accepting the fact that I'm not a wannabe professional. I am a professional. Right. I, I'm what the world needs. You know, my right. ideas are what the world needs. I think that gives us some some opportunity yeah Yeah. like and the way that you carry yourself can sometimes change the way that people respond to you absolutely and so i really look at her as like a as like an icon when it Mm -hmm. comes to 
being what the world needs, not waiting for the world to push you around, yeah. you know? And also, like, on the big thinkers, it's, like, so many... I think people sometimes think it's like has to be like a new idea or like a never before seen or heard. But a lot of the small businesses come from like I consider those people to be big thinkers because they were able to like take their hobby, take their passion mm-hmm. and turn it into like monetize it. So like y'all big thinkers too, hustlers. Yo, we all big thinkers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And one last thing, people with integrity. Facts. Like, we need some more of those. The world truly needs some more people. Like in this age of fake news and who knows what the hell's going on, Facts. needs people who say what they mean, mean what they say, and call a thing a thing, and call a thing a thing. And like in the professional world, yeah. Like there's so much. Like I think sometimes we even like you know I have my little desk professional job, so we all know we <laughs> so we sit in front of the computer and we we think of these well crafted emails. Mm-hmm. Of ways to say every other thing except for what you're actually saying. Yep. Not by end of business today. I highly <laughs> recommend. Right. No. Mm-mm. On a certain level, the world needs more people who can cut through the BS. Yeah. To say the thing that needs to be said to get work done. Facts on facts. And on facts. I think that that is something that when it comes to job searching and even interviewing. Yeah. Of being just true to yourself and true to to what you believe and even what you believe the job needs and Mm -hmm. what you have to offer just being straight up telling the truth i feel like there's not enough of that and that Mm. is something that makes you a commodity Mm. like not enough people are telling the truth and people can sense realness and integrity Mm. and um there's definitely room for that absolutely so now we go for our third circle which is what you're good at your vocation. Dum, dum, dum. I know. <laughs> so, a couple of things to think about, right? So, what do people compliment you on? What do people go to you for? Do they go f- to you because you're a great writer, a great editor? I know I got my editors lined up whenever I write something. I'm like, hey, could you look at this? Because they, they just got the juice, man. They got it. So, you know, do people come to you for that? Is there something that you take pride in? And, like, what do you find yourself drawn to? Like, do you always find yourself drawn to, like, social justice issues or um, ecological issues, prison ministries? You know, what what do you always find yourself, like, just, like, your energy being drawn to that? So my best friend, one of my best friends, right, she is the go-to when it comes to planning vacations. Oh, like she gets, you know, those flight That's deals, awesome. like a yes. hundred dollars to Thailand. Like, so we went to Thailand. She the plug. Um, no, she is she the, the plug. plug. She the plug. <laughs> she the plug. So uh, we, uh, my friend group, like uh, a bunch of girls, we went to Thailand last last year, and wow. she found the the flight deal. So it was like three hundred dollars or something like that round Dead. trip. Round JFK trip to Thailand. So she gets that. Wow. She books all the hotels. Books these beautiful, like beautiful hotels. Like that we was living awesome. fancy. <laughs> Yo, that's like, tight. For like just a little bit of money, found like five star restaurants. Um, all these excursions. Like she handled everything top to bottom. Like legit, wow. we just had to show up and give Ooh, her money. That's awesome. And that's something she did for free. Like she didn't, you know, she didn't ask right, us of course. to yeah. give her anything for that. Yeah. Um. And she's done that for us then. She's done it for previous trips. She does it for, like, other trips. Yeah. And, 
again and again and again, she just uses her organizational skills mm. in such a creative way. Absolutely. Like, she's super organized. And, like, that's a certain type of leadership. Absolutely. You know, that can definitely be monetized. That even if it's not like, oh, I want to start my own business. Yeah. That, to take that type of organization and apply it to, like, she works in HR. Mm-hmm. It's a one-to-one correlation. That's it. Like, the ability to have foresight, plan. And so, like, finding what you're good at is not is not necessarily like, oh, when I was in high school, I was good at math. <laughs> you know, like, it's more like looking at the skills that you use and the things that you yeah. go to and people come to you for. But on the flip side, mm. <laughs> I'll tell you, for me... I've always been pretty good at writing. Hella good at writing. You get pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I love writing. Mm. And I found myself a couple years ago saying, okay, everyone says you should get paid for it. You should get paid for it, right? And so I set up this like little like, you know, business, little side hustle. And I get my flyer and I post it onto Instagram. And my aunt hits me up. You have a typo. (laughs) <laughs> I oh, damn. was so <laughs> embarrassed, right? Mm. But I have a typo. I fix it, whatever. Yeah. I do it for a couple of weeks, and the pressure is just too much for me. Really? I hated it. Like, uh. anytime somebody would, like, send me something to edit or mm. to look over, yeah. like, something that was once fun for me yeah. turned into a complete chore. I couldn't stand it. And so... That's something to think about, too. Like, you might think you're good at something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that just because you're good at it, you should monetize it. (laughs) It's true. Some things should probably be kept a hobby, right? So that you don't lose that, like, that love for it. I wonder if there had been no typos the first time around, I wonder if that whole experience would have been different for you. Nah. Nah, you did that? <laughs> nah, it was just pressure. Like, that's something, that's a labor of love. To produce something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Things. And people's expectations, too. Like, right. That's, yeah, absolutely. I and feel so, you on it. Ikigai, I don't know about the what I'm... No, you, like, you should obviously be good at what you, yeah, at what you do. Exactly. But, you have to find just the right intersection of all of these things. Yeah, because some things you could you could love and they can just be your hobby because they can be just like your your escape from the norm and mm-hmm. your escape from like it's just something that you do for you and you can keep it that way. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like not everything has to be monetized, which I think is also um another another thing to learn as you're trying to like discern all of this. So they what do you actually want to monetize and what do you just want to keep for yourself? Right. And that I think that's an important part of vocation. Because a lot of times, like, in spiritual, like, vocation, you, you ain't doing it for the money. You ain't doing it for the coins, okay? Right. <laughs> so it's, and if you are, might be a problem. Well, you mm. know? So it's like, these are, like, the, the things to keep in, in conversation. Well, basically, with this circle, it's a very simple question. Are you good at it or not? You know when you're good at something. But it's not necessarily natural practice. But be honest with yourself. Don't tell yourself you're a good at something when you're not. (laughs) 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 And um, the last and final circle is what you can get paid for. This is your profession. Right. This is probably the most important part, right? Heck yeah. (laughs) This right here will determine a lot of things. This is the coins in your bags. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Come on. Um, So truth is the queen of hustle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that girl there she hustle yeah, boy hustle hard boy <laughs> i hustle hard man you know what it's just 
I think for me, a lot of the experiences that I had when um, me and like one of my homies, uh, Dylan Bailey, when we were doing music together, we were at the time where like MySpace was popping. <laughs> oh, you showing your age? <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> so it's like I found like mixtapes where like I was trying to get people to follow us on MySpace, which is so funny. So it's like at that time in the music like industry in the music, if you were trying to break in, like there was no we're just gonna sit on our phones and like get followers. Like mm-hmm. that wasn't it. We like literally had to hit the pavement. So it was like. Two o'clock in the morning, like roaming the streets because everybody out, and we're like passing our flyers, passing our mixtapes. I'm there with like my camera, and like I'm like telling her, like, yo, spit some bars or whatever, and trying to get people to, like that's how we got like a following and like an audience because we then had to take like these group of people to show up at our shows. Mm-hmm. So it was like that mentality that formed me, like straight out of college, was um was crucial then to how I think now mm-hmm. where I'm just like everything I'm like oh, I can hustle that I can hustle that <laughs> you know what I mean but it's like I, I think I've, I've heard in a couple of like different articles where people have to have like multiple streams of income mm-hmm. and like that's a good like that's a good plan for you to have like see where you can have multiple streams of income coming in so yeah I feel like there's like a culture now of everyone being entrepreneurs yeah, that's wild because not everybody's meant for that. Right. And it's like if if entrepreneurship and being your own boss is for you, more power to you. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing. Absolutely. However, there is some value in economic stability that a nine to five job can yeah. offer you. Like a roof over your head. <laughs> right. <laughs> very, very important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like you can take a nine to five corporate style, you know, yeah. job yeah. and try to put elements of those other circles. Oh yeah, for sure. Into it, you know? And so if you're in like a corporate style job, you can look for a mentor in that job and talk about the things you love, the things you're good at mm-hmm. and say, you know, where is there areas for growth in this direction, yeah. in this industry, in this sector, in this company? Right. You don't necessarily always have to quit your job, throw it all to the wind right. and hope for the best, you know? Right. Yeah, because there is such a thing as, like, integrity in being an entrepreneur and, like, the responsibility for that. And I feel like, it's like you said, you don't have to throw everything away. And just because you are, let's say, like, in a nine-to-five or whatever, doesn't mean, like, you can't put like the entrepreneurship skills into use right you know it just don't have to throw everything away <laughs> right and so the question what can you get paid for ultimately it's the economy is <laughs> that was really depressing maybe we'll take that part out <laughs> well then uh that's a wrap and uh <laughs> right i mean no like that's why real talk gives you the questions and not the answers because we're really trying to figure this out like for real for real mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is the question like for myself i'm doing what i love you know when it comes to school but i'm about to graduate what am i getting paid for i spent all this time like not for nothing y'all we we love doing real talk on god talk but it is a labor of love Oh yeah absolutely and while we are trying to monetize it Mm -hmm. we want to monetize it Mm -hmm. it's it's a process you know it's not just something that comes overnight absolutely and so when it comes to the concept of ikigai it's important that you take each circle what you love, what the world needs, what you're good at, and what you can get paid for. And you find just the right balance for yourself. You got to be realistic. 
you got to be pragmatic. You need money, but you also need quality of life. To keep the conversation going, tell us what you think by following us on Instagram or Twitter at Real Talk on God Talk. So for this week's Community Pastoral Care, we want to address networking. So we know networking is one of the hardest things about job searching and career readiness. Often we are so trained to think we are undeserving of help or there's this sense of indebtedness that we want to avoid. Like if this person does this for me, then I have to do something for them. So in the spirit of community, we invite you, our Real Talk on God Talk listeners, to leave all of that fear and discomfort at the door and join Real Talk on God's Talk networking chain. Yay! This week, we're going to post on our Instagram page different career sectors, and we invite you to tag potential hiring companies, mentors, or people you know looking for work in the field. We're here to hold each other spiritually, but also professionally. So make sure you look out for our posts and join in on the conversation. Today is Tuesday, March 5th, and you're listening to Keeping Time with Yaya. It's Fat Tuesday, y'all. Happy Mardi Gras. Show me your titties. <laughs> and then we're in preparation for Wednesday, March 6th, which is Ash Wednesday. Put your titties back in. <laughs> Fact. March 8th is International Women's Day. Hey. And let's not forget to spring our clocks forward for daylight savings time on March 10th. We loosely? No. Oh, we do. Mm-hmm. Oh, we loosely. <laughs> but nice weather. Right, but nice weather. Oh, keeping my fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Then beware of the Ides of March on the 15th. And drink up for St. Patty's on the 17th. Hey. Hey. Now it's time for the moon reading. March 6th is a new moon in Pisces. You know what that means. Set your intentions and be open to a world of opportunities. This Pisces new moon has in store for you. Thank you, Yaya, for giving us that lovely moon reading and uh, keeping us with all our dates clear of what we got to do. I know. It's a a season of partying and And repentance and and showing your titties and and putting them them back back in. (laughs) Right. But um, so remember, we got a lot coming. New video of Straight No Chaser yes. this Sunday. So be sure to check that out. Um, tell your friends to tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Rate us on iTunes. It was a five star rating. Yeah, that's it. I think that's it. I think that's that's the only call to action that we have for y'all this week. <laughs> your your responsibility, real talk listeners, is to tell a friend. Yeah, get no, some seriously. more, get us some more listeners. If you would just tell one that's person, we would appreciate you. That's it. We just appreciate appreciate you so much. <laughs> All right. And be able to join in on uh, Women's History Month. Yeah. All right. Share your stories about women's a woman. History Month. Yes. <laughs> Tell us your stories about a woman that inspires you, empowers you, loves you, and has made you into who you are and you might be featured on our next episode mm-hmm. so thank you for joining us once again and we'll catch you on the next one peace Bye. i don't believe in god i know god i love me some jesus <laughs> too much that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> that's on the next episode it's the moon reading i rock with you yaya it's all love they better listen to this advice we good you crazy girl this is what this show is about all right we but keep the it real, real and real talk the god in god talk and that's a wrap